0: I'm Randy, And I'm Claire. And you're
1: listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. So Elizabeth is housed inside of the castle under lock and key in the dungeon, and they've removed the bodies and they're keeping her locked in the basement of this. So her accomplices did not receive this prison sentence. They actually all received, except for Caitlin, Execution sentences. So oh. um, I wanted to talk about this because it's kind of ironic the way that they decided to do this because they're advocating for no torture and then they torture these people before they kill them. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Very logical. Yeah. Really great. Yeah, that's not a good contradicting way. at all. Yeah, no. Such a good way to advocate for not torturing people by torturing people. Yep. That's such an effective strategy. So, um, Dorca and Ilona, and you're gonna hate this, they had their fingers torn off with hot clamps, and then they were thrown into a giant bonfire. No. Yes. Oh my god. That no was how it. they died. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, my <laughs> like when I was, so I'm I was typing this and my fingers started to hurt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like we're both kind of holding our fingers close to our hearts right now. And then Fixoro was given a lighter oh, sentence because he was very young when this was happening, and he was first beheaded and then he was thrown into the bonfire. Oh, that's so much better. Yeah, yeah. because Dorka <laughs> and Alona were both thrown into the fire alive, and they yeah. were literally they weren't placed. So like, oh my god burnt at the stake, you you were, like, tied to a stake. They were literally thrown into this big bonfire. Okay. So that's fun. You know what? That probably smelled bad, too. So bad. They're, like, <laughs> making the whole town smell. Yeah, exactly. And then Caitlin, who, as I had said before, was sort of, kind of, Being nice to the victims of this torture, and she would go down to the basement in secret and would give them food and water. She was given a lighter sentence and actually spared, and she was thrown in prison for the rest of her life. Well, that's fair. Yeah, honestly. And I mean, like, it's a lighter sentence, but she's probably not going to last very long in 1610 in a Hungarian prison. (laughs) Um, I'm sure it's not very sanitary in there. So, yeah. And then, so that's sort of the sentencing for the four accomplices. Elizabeth, however, if you remember, didn't have to face trial. It was sort of the bargain that the family struck. So she was locked in the basement of the castle until her death in 1614. And some of the last things she said to the guards that were guarding her prison, um, she she said, like, my hands are really cold. And then she went to sleep and, like, died. So, I don't know what that means. Literally, in every source that I looked at, they always mention this like final line of her saying, My hands are cold and then dying. So, I'm not really sure if that has any sort of significance with anything, but that's what she said. Maybe she was very haunted. Maybe. (laughs) Probably. I mean, the
0: people whose fingers she pulled off were like, We're we're going to make your hands so cold. You're going to be so so uncomfortable.
1: And you're going to hate it. So, Elizabeth remained locked up and she died in this really weird way. But almost immediately after she died, the speculation around her started to arise. We have this book that shows up about a century later. And so we have the beautiful blood countess legend that we get. But in addition to this, like, sort of exaggerated speculation in terms of her guilt, we also have speculation that has arisen recently, actually, that she wasn't guilty of any of this at all. That she didn't do any of it. Caitlin or Elizabeth, Elizabeth? Elizabeth. That she actually had didn't torture any of her victims or oh. that nothing had happened. And this then is why a, are there a bunch of dead bodies in her castle? See, that's what I'm saying. So um, many scholars think that the whole thing was made up and the king just wanted to get rid of a power... Powerful political ooh, rival. Oh, I love this theory. Right. So after all, Elizabeth owned a ton of land and the Habsburgs and the King and a whole bunch of really rich families were in her debt. If you remember me talking about that at the beginning. Oh, yeah, she had blackmail yeah, on yeah, all yeah. of them. Basically, so she her her husband was extremely rich. They had given out money to some of the most powerful people in the world, putting them on top of everything, and so including the king. And so the king didn't want that to exist anymore. And being the king, he can do whatever he wants. So he got rid of Elizabeth through this weird convoluted story. And in doing this, like, in insinuating that she was a horrible person, it kind of allowed the other families that were indebted to her family to break those ties because they're like, nah, I'm not paying back this debt that I owed to your crazy matriarch. I'm not doing that. This legend is also sort of supported by the fact of how horrible all of these crimes were. So... Obviously, they're really cringeworthy, and it seems almost like a fake story to have this woman who is a cannibal bathes in blood and <laughs> um, who tortures women because she's a vain whatever. So I could kind of believe this. Yeah, I could but too. In addition to that, I had mentioned before that the exaggerated number of six hundred and fifty murders. Oh yes, um, was. S- slightly untrue that's because that number was reported by the king and by the family friend and we don't so, believe those people no and if this were to be an accurate statement that the king was setting everything up of course they would create this insane amount of dead women to be able to back up this like illogical ridiculous theory but there were, like, dead
0: women in her castle, right? Yes. Oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> yes. So so um, maybe what happened is she did torture and kill some people, just not to the extent that this legend, mm-hmm. you know, claims. And then the king took advantage of her weird mm-hmm. desire to murder, like, people here and there. And yeah. was like, no, she murdered 650 people.
1: Exactly. There are, however, people that say that this... <laughs> current historical I don't know correction if you will about Elizabeth's guilt actually not being guilt and it was like the king or whatever some people think that that's absolutely ludicrous and I have to believe this story because Elizabeth was a female as we know she would not have been in control of her estates so her son who was six years old at the time that Furnack died he would have inherited (sighs) all of the estates So Elizabeth technically wasn't the one that people owed their debt to. It was her son. And in 1610, he would have been 12. And like, I mean, King Louis XIV was about 12 or 13 when he inherited the throne of France. So I'm pretty sure that this kid probably would have been put in charge of everything. So That's so weird to think about. Isn't it? It is kind of weird. But I mean, Elizabeth got married when she was 14 years old. And she, you know. yeah. So the age differences are pretty insane to think about right now, but that was actually like a normal practice to have these kids inherit and be responsible. And like, because, and that also goes back to the fact that it's amazing that she lived for so long because the lifespan was extremely shorter than what our current lifespan is. So you had to get married when you were young because like 20 was halfway through your life already. So you had to have kids. Yeah, so that's something that's kind of interesting to think about like why would the king even place all of this speculation on top of Elizabeth's name because she really didn't have any power necessarily. She was just like this epic matriarch of the family and she couldn't really do much. Like she wasn't she wasn't like uh Catherine Medici or anything like that from France who had a lot of power. It wasn't like that she had to give up her estates to her son. Because he was a male, and that's kind of how that works. So she probably murdered people. So, yeah. That's probably what happened. And another thing that people talk about is, like, the fact that there wasn't a lot of evidence that was coming directly from the Bathory household. It was just, like, the occasional servant that would walk into town and have these weird marks all over her body. But... That actually, like, so the inquest made by the king seems slightly ridiculous. It's like, well, if there isn't anybody talking about this, then how could you have known that this was happening inside of the Bathory household? But actually, there is this thing called a common inquest, which is basically a um, type of inquiry that could be done through the king that was merely to see if any crimes had been committed on the property. So it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like a, a search warrant a little bit, And so the king would just be like, okay, go and check to make sure that nothing is happening. We just want to make sure of that. And so it had to be confirmed by the king. And then this family friend... Sorry, I keep hitting this. The family friend would like go into the castle and see if anything was happening. And obviously... Something was going on. In addition to that, the testimonies that were gathered um, during the trial said that the amount of women that had actually been murdered were only about 30 to 40 women. So, and that's in the actual trial documents. So we have the 650 number that's sort of exaggerated, but. That might have been exaggerated by the book that came out. It may have been a number that was reported by the king. There's just a lot of misconception about what actually mm-hmm. happened. But the 30 to 40 is the number that we have specifically from the murder squad. They're the ones who were, like, because they were under torture and they had to give out <laughs> the a number. Squad. Yeah. So that, that number could also be taken with a grain of salt as well. I just keep thinking of the podcast when you say the murder squad. Oh, the yeah. Je- the Jensen the and, and Holes, Holes one. Yeah. No, it's not that murder squad. It's a little bit more gross than that. Yeah. So the rumors about Elizabeth are really exciting, and it would be cool to think that she was bathing in blood in this epic femme fatale sadomasochist. She's a femme fatale. Da, na, na, na. Yeah. But in reality, she was probably just the femme fatale and sadomasochist and not the blood-bathing vampire that we know and love her for. <laughs> so she so this is kind of weird, just to like end out this crazy story. Um so in 1614, after she had died, Elizabeth's body was buried in um hallowed ground, so like in a church near the Mm -hmm. castle, and a lot of people were upset by this, and so the body was moved into the Bathory crypt, but in 1995, uh, the crypt was opened up to do some archaeological stuff or something, and her body wasn't in there. They couldn't find her body anywhere, and it was recorded to have been moved to the crypt, so clearly she's a vampire, and she's walking around modern-day Slovakia just hanging out, well, she bathed Chilling. in so much blood that so she's probably blood. immortal. I mean, like honestly, because <laughs> it makes you so youth, yeah. youthful. It's like the elixir of life. Yeah. Blood. So yeah, and so and- <laughs> where is she? Um, I don't know where she is. I don't. Okay. She's not here, though. I do know that because okay. she lives in Slovakia. So, at least we're safe. And in the town... Please don't eat us. In the town where the castle uh, ruins are currently located, there's actually a wooden statue of her. And um, it's really... I don't like this statue because in addition to Elizabeth being positioned in this very powerful stance, like, right next to her, there's a, a young woman kneeling, and it's meant to be one of her victims. So, I think it's a very unpleasant statue, but it's still there. Maybe her body's housed inside the statue. I don't know. You should have wrote about the statue for your capstone. Oh, yeah, for my monument capstone class. So, Monuments to Murderers, Elizabeth Bathory. That would have been fun. That would have been a fun paper. I didn't know about the statue until like three days ago. (laughs) But yeah, so here it is. I'll post a picture of it on the Instagram. Um, yeah, and in addition to that, apparently the ruins of the castle are extremely haunted. And um, yeah, so that's the so story. So we're going there. Yeah, so we're going there. So after we go to Daria's house in Russia, we're going to go all the way down to to Slovakia. Well, I want to go. Through. Yeah. I want to go there. So yeah. yeah, so we'll do that. We'll do a big Europe haunted trip. Anyway, <laughs> okay, so that's the story of Elizabeth Bathory. Thank you guys for listening to all of that. But... We wanted to talk briefly about the film that came out on (gasps) May 3rd on Netflix um, called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Shockingly Evil, and and Vile about Elizabeth Klepfer and her relationship with Ted Bundy. Um, And as you know, I love Ted Bundy. Well, I don't love him, but I... (laughs) Love the story. It's like, it's insane. And I know a lot about it. And Randy knows a lot about it. And so we had to watch it. But we wanted to talk about it a little bit just to close out season six. I guess let's both just say like our maybe
0: our one or two favorite things about the movie or something like that. Okay, cool. Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. My first one is I really enjoyed the ending, which I'm not going to totally spoil it. Mm -hmm. But She, Elizabeth, was really, you know, pleading with him to be like, will you please tell me if you did it? Because I am going to go insane. And, you know, imagine being in love with a serial killer and wanting him to be innocent because he was so nice to you personally. Yeah, and and a big part of your life. yeah. Yeah, and this whole time during his trial and everything, she was rooting for his innocence and even though she kind of comes around to the fact that he's guilty Mm -hmm. and I feel like in her heart she was still had that little bit of hope for innocence and that this was just a big misunderstanding or something like that and she needed an answer like she needed him to tell her I am guilty you're not crazy for thinking I'm guilty or Mm -hmm. just to justify her feelings and validate all of that for her and he I won't tell you what happened, but he did Mm -hmm. in a way, and I just thought that was really good because I think that that was the essence of the movie was to tell her story, Mm -hmm. and then the other thing I enjoyed, which is what I predicted I would enjoy in the Zodiac (laughs) episode was Zac Efron casted as Ted Bundy Mm -hmm. for everyone our age, like, that's (laughs) the guy from High School Musical and, like, the super hot actor that we all had crushes on, and, we felt what all of his victims felt, I feel like. not Obviously not the, to the extent that they did, but we could kind of get a glimpse into, oh, if someone, if like Zac Efron walked up to me and was like, will you help me put a sailboat in my car? I'd be like, yes. I would be like, yeah, I will. I, and I know you're going to murder me, but sure. Like, you yeah. know, and, mm-hmm. and that's what all of the victims felt. And, yeah. you know, it kind of just validates their decisions that maybe in hindsight were really dumb or really unsafe, or not Taken out of context, yeah. They do kind of seem slightly stupid, Like, why would you do that? Mm -hmm. But when you think about it as, like, someone as charming or as cute as Zac Efron, you know, asking you to do that, it it makes a lot of sense. So I feel like even though it didn't focus a lot on the victims' individual stories, because this was about Elizabeth and not about that, in a way, it provided this really cool context that supported the victims in this story, Mm -hmm. in a really kind of subtle way that I enjoyed.
1: Yeah, no, I enjoyed that too. I think, like, my favorite part of it was the accuracy and the trial process. Of course. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. I just, like... If you guys have listened to our Ted Bundy 11-part series that we did over spring break... <laughs> you know that's really funny. <laughs> yeah, you know that I know a lot about it, and I ranted at Randy about everything that I had found out, and so I was worried that this representation of the story wasn't going to be completely accurate. I haven't read The Phantom Prince because, like I said in the Bundy episodes... It's like $500 on the internet, and I'm sorry, I'm not buying that. Um, So I was worried about the accuracy, but I was so surprised at how correct everything was. There were a few things that were exaggerated, but the majority of what happened within the film was correct and actually occurred. Um, There were a few things that I learned that I didn't hadn't known about like one of the victims from the Kai Omega house, there were burns on her body from him forcibly removing her underwear, which I didn't know about before. So I learned some new things while watching the film. Um, of course I had, I didn't watch the entire trial process while I was doing my research, but watching what they produced and, um, Joe Berlinger did in the film It was very accurate to what happened during the trials in Florida. They did kind of combine the, like, Kimberly Leach and Kai Omega trials together into one trial, which I wasn't super mad about because...
0: It's it might kind have been of confusing.
1: confusing if they had done yeah. it separately to someone who doesn't know the process. the process. Yeah, and, like, it's two individual murder cases, so there's going to be two individual trials. Um, so I did think that that was just, like, an efficient way of telling the story. Yeah. Like, despite the fact that it's not correct. Yeah. Um, and I think the way that they portrayed him during the trial and his relationship with Judge um, Judge Edward Cowart was really great as well. mm mm-hmm. um, so I think that was probably my favorite part was the accuracy within the trial process. And then, of course, Zach Efron did a, almost a flawless job of portraying really good this character. Job, yeah. And it was slightly cheesy at the beginning. But you have to understand that this isn't based off of his murders. It's based off of the book, written by Elizabeth Klepfer. So, of course, it's going to have this romantic storyline laced throughout all of this, because it's her story.
0: It's not necessarily
1: Bundy's story. We don't see all of the things through his eyes because we see them through Elizabeth's. And I think that that's a misconception that a lot of people are having about this film. And I talked to a few members of my family about it, and they were like, well, they don't really talk about the murders very much. I was like, well, no, because Elizabeth wasn't there for the murders, so we're seeing it through her story and her narrative. Yeah, and for everyone who has that critique of this
0: movie, I said it in the Zodiac episode when we originally talked about this, mm-hmm. but go watch one of the other thousands of movies and documentaries and shows mm-hmm. about Ted Bundy to That'll get those perspectives. Those. Yeah. yeah, like this is just another way of telling the story. And I also enjoyed at the end it puts all of the known victims names on the screen yep. and it's just like when you see like 30 names beside each other, it's mm-hmm. really poignant. You know, it's like, oh, God. And so yeah. that was really cool as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I going to say? I feel like I had something else to say. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, we were just talking about how all of the factual errors in this movie are not so inaccurate that they took away from the story in any way. Like, right. maybe he ripped up a paper where he didn't actually do that, or maybe... Mm-hmm. like Just, like, things that really were just to make it more interesting. They yeah. were not... They didn't have anything inaccurate about major facts or anything like that so it was really it was really accurate and another another thing I loved that you just touched on is we've both our knowledge of Ted Bundy's we've both read Anne Rule's book The Stranger Beside Me Mm -hmm. and obviously Claire did additional research but I think that this provided a context that I mean there were things that neither of us had heard of because we haven't neither of us have read The Phantom Prince and I enjoyed getting to learn some additional facts about it. So if you know everything about Ted Bundy, you know, if you're like to the level of Claire in terms (laughs) of like obsessively knowing facts about it, Mm -hmm. you will still have
1: an enjoyable experience. You'll still learn new things, which is Mm -hmm. really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other major critique that the film had was that it like glorifies Bundy. I did not get that at all from this film. I think it was mostly because there were moments where Bundy is very terrifying. And I thought that those were the most poignant moments in the film because you see him looking at Elizabeth in this way or just close-ups of Zach Efron's face. And he does these things that Bundy would do during some of his interviews that are really terrifying. Yeah. And they totally capitalize on that in this film. So... I, I enjoyed it quite a lot. Me too. And I was worried about the representation, and I talked about that um, in the Zodiac episode when I didn't know anything about anything. But um, now that I know that it's based off of Elizabeth's story and they had these pivotal moments within it and it was accurate, I'm very impressed with what they produced. And I am glad that Burlinger didn't just focus on the murders because I think, like Randy said, that's a narrative that has been told a thousand times over. So this was good. It was a good film.
0: Yeah, and I, they had all these really cool shots of Zac Efron's face really close up that were to add to the creepy element, yeah. which I think were purposeful and not making him seem too positive. Mm-hmm. Um, But they were like almost these cheesy, like horror yeah, film pretty kind yeah. of things. But I loved it. It was really yeah. intense. And I told Claire, this is kind of funny because we talked about this in the Zodiac episode. Mm-hmm. This was not on purpose, but it almost had a David Fincher-esque Feel to it. There was a lot of those, like blues and yellows, and kind of Mm -hmm. sixties, very historical looking, and Mm -hmm. that's not really historical, but yeah, um, it just just those vibes that David Fincher brings to a film. Not, I wouldn't say it was. you know, near that quality, a complete replication. of yeah. David Fincher. David Fincher is much better of a director, but it was it was pretty good. It was better mm-hmm. than I expected it to be. and I really
1: liked it. Some yeah, people might think it was like a little boring, but mm-hmm. but when you know about all of the because they they yeah. drop subtleties. It was exciting the film. for us. Yeah, yeah, they drop names and um, just events that occur that we knew about, mm-hmm. and I was freaking out. I was like, Oh my <laughs> god, they talked about that one thing. <laughs> um, so both it was, of the escapes were in there, so yes, that was cool. That was very. exciting exciting. Um so it it was a good film. It was a really good film. Mm-hmm. I, I give think it they did five a good stars. job. Yeah. I thought they did a really good job with it. And uh yeah, so we just wanted to talk about that a little bit because it is something that's gonna be really prominent for a while because it's like, you know, it's it's co- it's caused quite a controversy and also like excite- excitement with yeah. the Bundy stuff. Um one but, thing that I did think about was like what's the purpose of having this movie like come out right now. Um but twenty nineteen marks I think it's the 40th anniversary of Bundy's death in Mm -hmm. 1989. So that has some context to it. If anybody was confused at why we're talking about Bundy right now, because that was another critique that I read about um, it was an article that I read, like, this is pointless, why are we doing this now? And I'm like, it's the 40th anniversary of his electrocution. <laughs> yeah, so, and
0: also I think true crime is growing quite a bit in yeah. the past,
1: like, three years. Yeah, So and why not capitalize on that, too? Yeah, and it
0: takes a long time to make a film, so maybe mm-hmm. they started it a while ago when yeah. the whole craze of murder started.
1: Yeah, because we actually talked <laughs> about this film in the middle of a tattered cover a year ago. When, a year ago. Yeah, when, yeah, or maybe even longer than that, because it was, oh no, it was no, a year it was, ago. it was less than a year ago, because yeah, it, it was, was in July. Yeah, because it had been, it hadn't even premiered at Sundance yet and there were like rumors about this Ted Bundy movie Mm -hmm. with Zac Efron in it it and, was the um, morning of the LSAT. Yeah, it was the morning of the LSAT. And <laughs> <Saturn> so, <laughs> yeah, so we talked about that. So it's kind of exciting to have it come full circle and see the finished product of so much excitement and everything. Yeah, and I remember nice them, to be satisfied with it.
0: Yeah, I remember them announcing Zac Efron as the lead and I remember being like, oh my god, that's so cool. Like, what a weird and That was, like, choice, that was yeah. like two years ago that they announced it. I feel mm-hmm. like it was a long time ago. Yeah, I remember reading articles about it. Yeah. But I it was didn't before really we know. even met, I think. Yeah, yeah it was before it was a while we were ago. even
1: friends. But I remember seeing Stirrings of that mm-hmm. And hearing Ted Bundy And I was like I think I know who that is And, <laughs> and now I know Like we both have, Are so knowledgeable about it. It's like slightly ridiculous But yeah So anyway We wanted to give you guys Our thoughts on it uh, Because we know that um, Ted Bundy is really it's he's a popular topic here in Colorado but also just in the true crime community so let us know what your thoughts on the film were we'd love to talk to you about it we'd love to get into lively debates if you absolutely hated it tell us <laughs> yeah. why we put um, a
0: photo on the Instagram mm-hmm. so you can comment under it and yeah tell us what you let thought us of know it. tell us what you think of the yes. hacksaw thing yes and I'm not gonna tell if you, you know what, what it that is means, but
1: um, because that was holy moly um but yeah so just let us know and um Yeah. And in addition to that, we just wanted to close out season six. Thank you guys for listening to all of our episodes. We had a really fun time doing some unique stuff this season. So we have a wide variety of cases, obviously, and we hope you guys enjoyed all of them. And we have some announcements about future seasons. So...
0: Yeah, so this summer we we will be releasing an episode, no, two episodes, sorry, weekly mm-hmm. starting at either the end of May or very beginning of June. We're not quite sure. Follow yes. us on Instagram to keep up with that, but we're each going to do a murder every week and we're they're going to be shorter than our normal things like maybe 30 45 minutes for each Mm -hmm. story just because we don't have time to do this every single week but (laughs) um but we wanted to kind of do a more regular schedule and then the summer will be the end of our podcast because we have to go off and learn about the law Mm -hmm. and not just (laughs) speculate about it yes (laughs) so we hope that you'll join us for the summer again follow us at Killer Vibes underscore KCSU FM. And we will hit you guys up when we have some new content. It won't be too long. And mm-hmm. let us know any requests because we're probably going to do smaller cases in the summer, not like these mm-hmm. giant ones, just because we need to fit them in smaller time frames. So tell us what you want to hear and we'll do yes. it.
1: <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so we're just very excited about that. And thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye. Bye.